The following event is a more Ace Audio production. Introducing first, from London, England, the team of Ace and Skillet. This is the Kickout. Um, yeah, we'll use video as well. Should we go? Let's yeah? go. Right. It's the Kick Out Podcast. And you know what? This is uh, amazing. We have got an absolute legend on the show today. Uh, I'm sad that Flu's not here. I'm sure that Flu would have loved this. But, yeah, he would have. Um, we are very excited to have on the show the greatest entertainer of all time, the greatest singer of all time. He told me off for not using that in my intro before. Um, he is a WWE Hall of Famer. One of the greatest IC champions of all time. What is going on, Jeff Jarrett? How are you? Ace, how we doing, my friends? I appreciate you finally having me on. I've, I've begged, I've, <laughs> I've emailed, I've WhatsApped. Um, old school, I put snail mail, and, and finally Skilly let me on. You won't let me on, Skilly let me on. Well, how have you been, man? How have you been during this just crazy year that we've had? You know, me and you, as you, we, we've we've watched that each other a couple of times, but yeah. um, and we were talking off air uh, that that you know my kids are are, are, are back in school. Um, it's been a real challenge for everybody. It's 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 kind of uh, I'm from Nashville, so you guys can relate to the music side of it, the touring business. I have a lot of friends that that either play or roadies or sound or part of the touring. I mean, they just shut down. I had two of my buddies, closest buddies, were actually in Omaha at, at, a, at a sold out concert. Uh, they had loaded in that day. And I still can't, I tell this story, but that, that's the real reality of it. They had 1.2 million uh, in the box office. Oh, and wow. they had to give it back. Oh, wow. So, so I mean, that's how, that's how, I mean, boom. And so, I tell that story just how representative that uh, that the world we're living in that we've all lived in over the last year, and hopefully it's in our rearview mirror. But uh, it appears um, things are heading the right direction. The craziness of uh, of everything, but man, it's been devastating. My sister just got out of the hospital uh, with COVID, uh, and so you know, it's it's. Um, I think cancer has touched all of our lives one way or another over the years, and 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 I would have never thought in March of uh, 2020 that that a year later or a little over a year later we'd be saying yeah covid's going to touch someone you know it's crazy um, because it's hard i i don't know of anybody now i mean it's touched everybody's lives um in one way or another uh, and man it's gotten so divisive and, and the nonsense with no mask i, I don't get into politics it'll drive me crazy but it, it's tough it's it's been really a challenge and i and i know this is a wrestling podcast but Ace, you, you threw the line out there wanting to talk about this crazy year. It's really bizarre. Uh, but, hey, man, we all made it through it. We're here to uh, talk about my world and, and, and your podcast. So, for sure, <laughs> I, I wanted to start with, with COVID because, I, like, what was it like for you to watch those early days of wrestling with no crowds? It was really strange for us. And what, what was that like for you? Yeah, good. I mean, actually, that, that's a good jumping off point. You know, um, to get in a ring and, you know, it, there, it's a whole different vibe to, to, you know, once I sort of at 15 or 16 years of age uh, got in and did that early training, 
I quit taking bumps unless there were people around. So, right. so, so because of the energy, I mean, yeah. it's just that simple. So, so look at Skillet laughing at me. But that's the real reality. But, 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 you know, it's a, it, it's how, how the world changed and the Thunderdome was so cool and, and, and being there and hearing on yeah. that, but no people in the crowd. And, and I've, I mean, it's, it, as a third generation promoter, I've candidly said, uh, folks w- without people, you don't have a promotion J- just like ace without listeners okay great you can talk to a microphone big deal what's you're missing the whole point so yeah. to, to be that performer and yes it was going around around the world and the whole globe got to see it at a time that was in my opinion desperately needed but to still not have that live crowd it was without question an adjustment uh, and then you watch some uh, football or i call it soccer but when you watch some of those games with no people and they did the really crappy crowd noise that didn't feel right it's been an adjustment across the board and 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 wacky uh but man yeah you talk about really unique back in uh, last year march april may uh, until the sort of hit the groove it was a it was a it was really really different unique so I, I noticed that you you mentioned you know your family you know being a third generation uh, wrestler performer and promoter as well um, you, you know starting off in the, uh, your debut as in the wrestling industry uh, you you know you used to wrestle for your father's business the USWA um, seven years deep as a baby face uh, what was that like working for your father and then you know transitioned into the WWF at the time but not WWE. It's, uh, Skillet I've been doing the the rounds and the continued rounds to talk about my world the launch but they've asked that sort of question that transition in you know your history yes I was a babyface for seven years by the time I got to WWF I was so ready to be a heel um, mm. but the, the one thing that that you know to get in the ins and outs of the industry uh, being a young babyface the heel quote-unquote was the ring general led the match. And so it helped me grow as a performer exponentially. Um, also being, you know, with the last name, it, it wasn't like, uh, and, I, and, and many folks have said this, you know, me being the, 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 the kid of a promoter is the greatest thing for my career and the worst thing. Um, mm. But, but, you know, in the early days, it, it really helped out a lot because um, I, you know, I had been to all these towns before. I'd been around. I know. I'd known the folks. It was a weekly territory. I tell folks that are breaking in. You know, in my first seven years, I had I wrestled essentially seven days a week. Sometimes six, but sometimes twice on those sites. For give or take, I had two thousand matches in my first seven years. That wow. that if you can't cut your teeth on that, nothing will. But it to to, to you know from the time I was eighteen to the time I was twenty four, twenty five honing my skills and getting to wrestle folks from anybody. And I'm going to name, throw some names out there, but you know, I had a, I was 19 years old and got to wrestle Nick Bockwinkle. Yes. He was 53 at the time. Oh, uh, wow. I got to wrestle Jerry Lawler. I got to wrestle Akio Sato, oh, who was a, a Japanese wrestler who taught me the ropes. Then I got to go to the moon dogs. So, to, you know, whether it's in ring, uh, Matt wrestling, we did hardcore wrestling before it's called hardcore, but no, I, all different facets. Those first seven years of the baby face were without question the foundation of my career. I felt like, because yes, you just mentioned some really top stars there, some really big names in, in wrestling, especially around that territory. And a lot of people coming from that background would kind of maybe when they moved to WWE, they would probably want to kind of keep that kind of persona and keep serious and be like, no, I want to be this type of wrestler. And then 
Vince presents you with the, you know, the double J gimmick. It, but it felt to me, even as a kid watching you, I felt like you enjoyed it. You, it, it I don't feel like you complained much about your gimmicks at all. You hated me, didn't you, Skillet? Yeah, right? yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be honest. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, you, have a great, you have a great talent of making people hate you, even though you're a great worker. I can assure you this. If I'd have known you back in the 90s, I'd have hated you. So <laughs> we're, we're even. But, um, but no, it, the, the, um, it, it was, again, that, that was one of the things that from the, you know, at a very early age, I can remember when the Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler, David Letterman storyline, although that was shocking and cool and all this, I, I was blessed because I got to look through it through the eyes of a business. And yeah. so when Vince and myself and we started collaborating on the Double J character, I could immediately sort of go, okay, this will make me stand out. You know, I'm the hillbilly, southern boy, whatever you want to call it, can't get rid of my accent. But stepping on, and, and at those times, especially, you know, the WWF, it was a New York City-based, uh, in the city, city slicker. In those days, you know, whether it was NWA or WCW, but but it just had that stigma. So I was uh, an immediate heel, so to speak, and it stood out, and I loved it and embraced it. Yeah. Be, being the son of a promoter, like you said, obviously, I guess it kind of puts you in some nice positions at times. But then at the same time where you said you get a lot of stick for it because maybe people are, you know, they think it's a bit of nepotism that is he really, yeah. you know, achieving these positions on his own merit. How did you deal with that? You, you know, and, and I will, uh, and, and it's actually documented. Me and my dad ha have had a couple of falling outs over the years. Um, but he had seen other promoters' kids fall flat on their face before I got into the industry, and and he just had it in his mind. I'm going to make it harder on him. I'm 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 I mean, and I can tell you, I got the I used to have the pay stubs to prove it. You know, there was there was no favoritism. Matter of fact, there were some things that if you go to a show and somebody didn't show up, and somebody's going to have to wrestle twice or three times, it was me. I always had to do the extra mile. It, it was, and sometimes my old man would go out of his way. Jerry Lawler has, if you ever get him, ask him some of those stories because he can tell you a, a few of those that, but so I'm thankful though at this stage of my career that my, that my father looked at it that way. So, um, but you know, it's a very natural thing in the industry because, um, you know, and I, I've always tried to drill it down like this. Um, in our business, especially way back when you, you show up in a dressing room in a locker room and half the people are going to get news that they probably don't like because they're going to have to get beat that night. <laughs> so that's a unique industry. It, it's a very unique industry that, 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 okay, you're winning tonight, you're losing tonight. So, but so all that. So me being a baby face and that, I mean, it, it, our business somewhat breeds, and I don't want to call it insecurity, but everybody is crawling and doing whatever they have to do to get on top. And if they're not good enough to be on top, then it's easy to point fingers. You know, it's very hard for the human human mind to look inward and say, what can I do to be better? So me being in that number two slot in the territory under Jerry Lawler, the legend, um, you know, a lot of times it was very simplistic jealousy and or whatever it may be. So that's why I always took a lot of pride in making sure that, that I worked very hard day in, day out, learned my craft, did what I had to do. 
in spite of all that, I still had my ups and downs with, with other talent, but it's, uh, I learned to, that's a part of it, truly a part of it. So you make, you finally make your debut in the WWE. Well, this is back in 93. So this, yeah, I think it was 93 when you made your debut with yeah, WWE. October. And you were presented as the double J gimmick. How, how much of that input did you have in that character? Was that all Vince? Was that the team behind that? Was it, was it you? Could you say, have your input with what you wore and the strut? You know, you used to do the strut and everything. How, yeah. How much say did you have in that? Well, like, and, and it gives, obviously the businesses radically changed in a lot of ways, but you know, I would work for my father. And so I didn't really have an input on my character for him. I was Jeff Jarrett, whatever is the golden boy. So I, we had a working relationship, uh, you know, my dad and Vince, and, and it goes back to Vince's father, Vince Sr. So they yeah. had, they had a working relationship. And so I, I knew Vince had taken a look in 92 and I, actually WCW had wanted me to come on board in 90. So when it was about to, ready to come time, Vince was rolling around in his own brain. What kind of character, what kind of character? And Bruce Pritchard had something to wrestle with. He, he was sort of right in the, in, in the middle of all that, that. What is that character? And it just sort of came natural that it wasn't hard with J-E-double-F, J-A-double-R, and, and Vince is the one. What a unique name. Yeah, I was all, you know, I've been called J.J. and as a basketball nickname, but, but Vince just sort of rolled off the two J's, two R's, two T's and all that. And then the yeah. country music. Nashville again in 93, 92, the city of Nashville was transitioning from quote unquote country, country and rest, Western music to really that pop country. It, it, it had begun to take on a new life. So it just sort of fit. You, you um, one of your, your nicknames, the greatest IC champion of all time. Um, you, you obviously took a lot of pride in being an intercontinental champion. Talk to us about that belt and its legacy and what that title actually means to you. Yeah, when I got there, you know, in 93, you, you sort of have to look, if you can just crystallize the, the, the time of the legacy of that belt from from Brett, from Piper, they had a story, um, gosh, Kurt Henning, uh, we could name Tito, there, there's, you know, Savage, Steamboat, uh, whoever, you, you name it, that IC slot was, was a really, to me, a really unique slot, especially during that era. So during 94, uh, as the character began to build and get momentum, um, and Scott uh, Hall, uh, Razor Ramon, and, and Shawn Michaels were, were doing their IC deal. And so when the time came and everything just started gelling together, I knew I was going to have a huge opportunity. And, and to, to sort of, in, in early 95 and rumble and knowing that to, to sort of reach that milestone in my career, I was, I candidly, I was very happy. Uh, you know, so, somewhat, uh, it's one of those deals that, that winning that title uh, at, at Royal Rumble 95 was as real as it can get. We, we uh, alluded um, uh, when me and Ace were talking about uh, Sasha uh, and Bianca. Uh, mm -hmm. a real moment at WrestleMania. And we could go down to hundreds, Austin and Rock real moments. Uh, mm -hmm. John Cena uh, in his promos, he can make it real like that. So, so when you have sort of those real moments in sports entertainment, the audience knows without question. It was a real moment for me when, when, when I captured the IC title against Razor Ramon, who was a incredible talent. Uh, and, and his character was, was on fire at, during that time. I always felt you and Razor had some great matches. You, yeah. you, you and Razor and you and Sean, I think 
that I I honestly believe growing up, that's probably the best matches you've had in, in, in the WWE for me. I think I think Sean and Razor is your best opponents. You know, when people really uh, drill down and say, come on, it's hard for me to say the best singles match because I've had mm. a, a, a lot of different types of opponents, you name it, from Kurt Angle to, to Sean. I mean, just all different styles, and I've been around a few years. But there was a series of tag matches that it was me and Sean with the road dog in our corner as the roadie against yes. uh, Kevin and Scott, uh, Razor and Diesel. And we had a series of tag matches that went all over the world. We did them in Germany. We did them in the UK. We did them across America. Um, that was about every night, about 40 minutes. And, and those tag matches, I've really find it hard because we weren't, uh, you know, like a, a, I call it a bookend tag team, you know, like a Rock and Roll Express or Road Warriors. We were four individuals in Count Roadie, five, coming together. And so the five different characters with five different personalities and sort of the intersection because I'd wrestled Diesel and we'd all wrestled each other and had somewhat of a storyline together. Those were some fantastic, I wish I had all those um, recorded because they were some really, really good matches. It, it seems that you were very close with that bunch, you know, with Kevin, the Nash, yep. uh, Scott Hall, Sean. Am I right in thinking? Because I know that the, the iconic photo of when Sean and uh, Razor was when Razor and Diesel was leaving to go WCW, and they had that infamous um, yep. click moment. Am I right in thinking you were part of that too backstage? I was or? gone. I, I had, oh, you I were had, gone by then. Left, right. If you remember right. '95, I walked out. That's all. Oh I'm yes, you walked out with. You yes. tune in to my world podcast. Come <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> on, and hear every nook and cranny of that story. That's but, right. Uh, no, I'm uh, sorry. Prior to leaving, that that was sort of the crew that was on the road together. Uh, yeah, the five of us up and down the cars, and yeah, we, we traveled together quite a bit. So yes, you, you you were gone. You went to WCW. Uh, you joined yeah. the Horsemen. Yeah, and 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 shortly after that, you came back to WWE and did a little NWA invasion. There you uh, go. I remember this off the top of my head, by the way. This is not. <laughs> no, you can kill it. Get out of here. Yeah. No prep work. No, this is not written down. This is this. Yeah, is, it's I, scary. He knows too much. He's it's scary. He's, I, I, yeah. I just gotta say this. You're a sick man. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love it. Look, I'm the biggest. Look, I was a wrestling fan long before I was a performer. So I'm yeah. all, see, all kidding aside, a lot of respect for that. I'm, I'm that way that, that my wife, Karen, sometimes will, will go. You remember what kind of tights and boots and city and, and what Waffle House you ate at and what hotel and what kind of car you rented. And you can't remember yesterday i mean you can't remember the day to bring me up so, i mean just it is what it is <laughs> oh yeah I, I i want to be conscious of your time because obviously i know um you we got could talk all day couldn't we okay good can we can we too quickly touch on your on your time at wcw like as, right. as as wrestling fans like we've watched everything about the monday night wars and all that time that time in in wcw and it looked chaotic but it was fun for us to watch as people. Like, what was it like as a performer on that roster during that time when NWO were running wild and Vince Russo was booking the show? And all of that. Stuff, like, what was it like as a performer for you? Well, and again, I'll go back to sort of my roots. When I left the first time and and mm -hmm. went, and that's when Nitro was. You know, I went there. Uh, I'd have been ninety six, uh, October of ninety six. I mean, it was red hot. I, I can remember me being signed up to do autograph sessions um, 
for tickets going on sale three months before, four months before for, for, for a nitro. And then all of a sudden I'd get a, a back in those days, a phone call. Hey, that, that appearance is canceled. It's sold out. I'm like, like literally the day the tickets went on sale, it was a sellout. Um, and so seeing that from a business perspective and into the late nineties, but just the business was hot, but, but, Knowing how hot the business was, but also coming from, I'll call it WWF, Vince McMahon world, you knew where the buck stopped. You you knew that, okay, he's the boss, and here's this lieutenant, and here's that lieutenant, and these lieutenants have these two guys that work for them. I mean, a true um, hierarchy. Uh, hierarchy. Yeah. That, 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 that's what I, um, I, I, I fundamentally believe that's how uh, – any form of entertainment, you, you you have to have a decision maker. I don't know this song's going going to be released on this day. You, you got to have somebody. If if it's a democratic, and I get all that. I, I I'm a huge anybody that's worked with me or for me knows I want as much input. But at the end of the day, you sort of got to have this is a decision maker. Well, to go from the world of Vince McMahon to uh, AOL, Time Warner, WCW with no one really clear cut, you know, this guy had creative control and this guy had creative control and this guy's not coming because he doesn't already, he's already fulfilled these kind of dates. I mean, you talk about it just, it was unbelievably the difference how, on how things were run backstage. Uh, and I'm not just saying trying to get answers, but just the entire vibe of the entire organization, you could tell, that WCW was corporate and, and as big as the uh, WWF was at that time, it was still, and still a lot to this day, it's still, um, you, there's no question, you know, where the buck stops. Yeah. Um, During your time there, you um, obviously held the WCW world heavyweight championship, which is for me, one of the most iconic belts in the industry, several time NWA champion. What is that feeling like when you're told, that you're going to be world champion. You're going to be, you know, ultimately the face of the business, the company and um, driving it forward. And also which belt meant more to you holding in terms of. Because it comes on times. And, and a lot of times um, like the IC belt, the very first time that was really a unique experience just because again, I had come from Tennessee and worked in the territories and did some stuff in Japan and Puerto Rico and so the first IC time and then WCW, the U.S. title and, and, and working through that, that was pretty cool. The different opponents and then back up there with the IC runs um, and then the world title run and sort of the reboot that went down with um, the Millionaires Club versus just the storylines. Every one of them had a different context, if you will. Uh, and a lot of times um, like it, it on the NWA um, when we were rocking and rolling at, 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 at TNA, different things with injuries and guys coming up with contracts, that it was like, man, I got to find the right opponent to, to, to work. So it's looking at through the eyes with, with a business lens, there is a lot of pressure. I'll just say that. There, there's a lot of pressure that goes with that, um, being out front. Um, but, but it's part of the industry, and it's something uh, I love more today than I ever have. So I, I want to circle back to an iconic match that you were involved in. It's, it caused a lot of controversy in the industry. Um, but I like again, I just get a, I just get a picture of you not really minding about taking a fall uh, to the Hall of Famer now, the legendary China, uh, and losing the IC title 
to her? What was that when you were told you were going to drop the belt to? So on the very great segue on the very first episode of my world, that's what we're covering. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, but it it goes without saying, it's a great question. I'm glad I, folks, we didn't script this. Skillet literally came on the top (laughs) with with that question, which is great. But I'll tell you this, you've invited me on and out, but the, the, the story that led up to that, and, and I've been asked often, oh, you didn't want to do that or all this. You, you just sort of got, again, I, I was blessed with the promoter's mindset in the Attitude Era. And, you know, I had different opponents, you know, all that different, just all that. When you heard DX come out and the, 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 the entrances and, and, you know, at that time, I mean, Road Dog was yeah. red hot. Red hot. Um, I think the WrestleMania, whatever that one was, I think he was the number two behind Austin uh, merchandise seller, the dog. Mm, Anyway, so DX was red hot and and Xbox was red hot. But China was because of how it was positioned. And I could get really long winded and I know we don't have time, uh, but but her positioning not just on the car, but within DX and, and my persona and character, I, I, I had a very, I was elated. I was really, I knew that you don't get many opportunities to do this kind of stuff. And I uh, hadn't been right a lot of times in my life, but I'm right. Cause we're still talking about it today. Absolutely. That, that it was an impactful, very creative at times. Uh, I mean, I figured forward Cindy Margolis and makeup people and you name it. I hit them with guitars and, just that entire build was really good. And knowing where the payoff was coming, it was, it was um, again, it, it, when we started that, I had no idea that my contract w- would intersect with all of that. I had, I had no idea, but it did, which makes the story even, uh, even better. So after that, oh, hey, so you have a question? You have a question? I was going to say, after that was done with China, you went to WCW, obviously became the champion. When WCW finally closed... You took a few years out. Oh, no, I don't know if you took a few years out. You just went straight into developing TNA, right? You did, went straight I, into- I, I, and we're going to have to wrap this. I just look. Uh, <laughs> oh, time really oh. is money. But, I, I do apologize. Uh, no, no, no. Um, so March was the last 201 uh, of, of uh, Nitro. I still had, was going to get paid almost through the end of the year. So the, the, that whole time was, and I'm going to get, Great job. Uh, go home. We're going to pay you. Okay. So, so, but during that time, and then the following June is when TNA launched. So I had a summer off essentially to really think, but I toured um, with uh, a couple of different promoters. I toured UK twice, uh, Australia twice. So I, I stayed busy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, Jeff, we, we, I know we got to go, but you are jumping into the world of podcasting. Tell us tell us a little bit about your podcast and how they can listen to it. You can download uh, right now. May 4th is when um, we launch. Uh, every Tuesday, starting May 4th, the podcast is My World uh, with Jeff Jarrett, uh, my co-host Conrad Thompson. And Conrad, you guys know well. Yeah, the, the, great, the, great, the greatest podcaster in wrestling. The greatest. There you go. Bruce Pritchard, 83 Weeks with Bischoff, Tony Schiavone, Jim Rawls. Kurt Angle, uh, Arn Anderson, really cool. And he's asked me for several years. The timing was right. So we're excited. Uh, you can, all of my socials, whether it's a website, we just launched a website, uh, realjeffjarrett.com or Twitter, Instagram, 
My kids got me on TikTok, but I hadn't put anything on there yet. Uh, <laughs> we need to see you doing the dog fish, Jeff. Jeff Jarrett. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. But no, we launched Tuesday, May 4th. You can subscribe now. Check it out. Uh, the one thing that I told Conrad that I was doing this interview today, I said, uh, I said something. He goes, man, I'm ready to do some live events over there. So when we do the live event, Ace, yeah, man. You're We're coming. I'm, I'm there. I'm there. We're there. Hundred percent. We're there. Uh, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. And uh, you know what? Jeff Jarrett always picks up the phone for me as well, so I appreciate that. You are the man. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you so much, brother. Now, thank you guys. I appreciate it, Max. Yeah. I don't know how you put up with these guys. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm trying. Thank I'm you trying. very much. All the best, Jeff.